0: Welcome to Fireside Breakdowns. I'm Robin. And I'm John. On this show, we break down some of the most controversial, complex, and even polarizing topics facing our society. We use honest, good faith analysis, backed by research, to form our conclusions. We promise to skew our bias toward what can be factually supported, and to make it clear when we're giving you our opinion versus speaking about actual research.
1: We're human. We have blind spots and personal biases, and they will show up sometimes but the goal of this show isn't to convince you to see things our way. We want to give everyone a foundational understanding of these complicated topics and and present the most truthful information available so that we can discuss and address these issues in a thoughtful and beneficial way.
0: We talk about some pretty heavy stuff on this show, and we tackle topics that might feel polarizing, but we do that because we have an important goal in mind. We want to change the way that people have hard conversations, and we think that we can do that using research and discussion to create common understanding. And since you're here, we hope you want the same thing.
1: So we suggest getting comfortable, maybe having a good drink on hand as we work through this stuff. Welcome to our fireside. Oh yeah, we didn't we didn't find a seasonal dance jam.
0: It's hard to find New Year's ones. Um, like I was gonna yeah. go with 1999 by Prince, but the only line about dancing is like in the outro. Um,
1: I mean, as long as it's in there somewhere, it I
0: know. But like it qualifies. It just I don't know. You it gotta did, have it felt like to cheating. like groove. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, fine. Yeah.
1: I, I get it. I totally get it. Um, all right. So, what are we talking about on this New Year's ish day after New Year's uh pod, the the 2023 Inaugural Pod for Fireside
0: Breakdowns? Yeah. Well, I mean, this will be our third third kind of like state of the pod goodbye previous year episode. Um last year it was Peace Out <laughs> 2021. This year it is um well, words I can't say to 2022. Yeah. So um so I mean this you
1: can not you can say them. This is our podcast. We can say whatever the hell we want. I'm just I'm just saying.
0: Yeah. Well, but the problem is other people hear them. So <laughs> <laughs> this is the episode where we look back on the previous year and good examples. Um how how things went. And uh, last year we made some predictions, so we'll go through and see if we were right, um, if we actually did have a crystal ball. And we'll talk a little bit about what's coming in
1: 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're also going to address, I think, um, oh, no, wait, I think you covered it all. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm here, guys. I promise. I've had a science infection for a month now, <laughs> a full month. It has not <laughs> been great. Um, and so we are powering through, but I am yeah. so ready for it to be gone. Yeah. yeah. Let's get to – let's talk about, oh, this one's going to be probably a little bit faster. One, it's not a deeply researched one. And two, mm-hmm. um, everybody got stuff to be getting on with in their lives. So yeah. probably, hopefully, around 45 minutes tops on this one, guys.
0: Yeah, we'll um, see if we can do it. We'll, we'll see. see. We Every always we make say that we're prediction, going to. Always a,
1: yeah, yeah, always. But we're setting the expectation So thanks for, now. Drinking.
0: Thanks for jinxing us at this point. Absolutely
1: absolutely i'm I'm very proud to be the perennial time jinx <laughs>
0: that's okay
1: so twenty twenty two our predictions um very bold very bold to make predictions at all i think yeah. were we right let's yeah. find out
0: let's find out
1: i if think we one of the right one of the first things we talked about was actually uh, the pandemic and the course that it was taking. Um, so at the at the beginning of 2022, there were still a lot of questions about, you know, were we going to be dealing with this as a as a pandemic? Um, were we going to still be dealing with a ton of restrictions through 2022? Um, you know, what what was going to happen? So we 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 talked about the idea that we would get rid of the idea. <laughs> idea idea (laughs) uh we talked about the the idea that we would no longer be aiming for a zero covid policy yeah um it it, it probably i think globally was the intent but definitely in the united states yeah um what do you how do you think we did on that one because i think we
0: (laughs) yeah well (laughs) i think our exact like the exact idea that we threw out there was that we would kind of make this pandemic to endemic shift and start Mm. treating covid like We treat all the other uh, things that come and go every season. And that's, I mean, that's what I'm seeing around here, at least. Um, People are going in and getting their flu shot and their COVID booster at the same time, which was a specific prediction that you threw out, one in each arm. Um, And we're we're hearing more, at least in my part of the world, about um, kiddos with like RSV and other respiratory issues rather than COVID, which... Um, You know, we're still we're still seeing tons and tons of people around here get it, but they're Mm -hmm. getting it like you get the flu or like you get a cold. Um, Thankfully, I think we we have pretty decent vaccine adoption, at least um, considering the the ideological leaning of the area. Um, So I think that does contribute a lot to minimizing the severity when people do get it.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think um, that's similar to what I'm seeing out here on, on the East coast is a pretty wide adoption of just, just getting a, a booster vaccine. Um, even, even among populations that were, uh, doubtful of the efficacy of the vaccine or its intent, a lot of holdouts still, I'm noticing mm-hmm. a lot of people still, still, still acting like the vaccines are useless or that it's your brainwashed. If you If you use them, like, which is okay. Um, but, uh, but I, I think when we made that prediction about, um, sort of losing the idea of getting to COVID zero, we, the, the subtext of that is that we would, as a culture, even the most, uh, resilient among us when it came to COVID, um, policies would just get burned out. Yeah. Um, yeah. If if there was no like significant change, I think uh, with the vaccines that gives us all a sense of maybe better security than we really deserve, because what I'm what I'm thinking is going to happen, especially we get deeper into winter, um, is we're going to see more of these uh, sort of tridemic, which is not a real word, but it's it's being used in the media. Yeah, Um, this these uh, presentations of multiple respiratory illnesses in a single person at the same time or very, in very close proximity. And the problem is that COVID by itself is going to go from being something that is, um, worrisome on its own independently to a compounding factor that can take a standard, uh, you know, cold, (laughs) a different cold or a standard flu or other virus, um, and, and multiply its, uh, impact on whoever is sick. Um, so we're going to see, I wouldn't be surprised to see an increased trend in, in like hospitalizations overall for illness, Mm -hmm. even if it's not specifically ascribed to COVID. Um, so we're still going to see those continued stressors on, um, on those resources and a lot of probably unnecessary deaths. Is it going to be like what, like it was? No. But are people going to unnecessarily die because of, of COVID still and resistance to vaccine and, um, and not wanting to even wear a mask in crowded areas? Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I
1: think we're still see that.
0: Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty grateful for the fact that we have a, decent. I don't even know what to call it for Gen Z. Like we would have called it emo when I was in high school or probably seen when you were in high school. But um, it's that kind of evolution of it. And they really dig, like they got into wearing masks. Wearing masks was a thing for them. They loved it. So we still have a really um, significant population of teenagers that wear masks like all day, every day because they can. Um, And I think that that has helped a lot. Um, But we also know that this is a virus that, like the flu, changes, mutates. We get different strains of it. We are currently uh, benefiting from the fact that the one that's most common is not as um, deleterious as previous versions, but who knows? And we still don't know what the effects of long COVID are going to be on reinfection, on secondary infection, on dealing with things like the flu, all of that, so
1: that's one of the things that that concerns me the most is like sure covid by itself isn't necessarily as deadly as it was um but we're you know as we get more research into why certain populations certain people suffer the effects long term there are more concerning issues that come out or sorry more concerning uh um not issues but uh effects that come out um I was reading an article that there's a there's some evidence to support that um, COVID creates microclots in the blood, mm-hmm. which is what leads to the long some of the long COVID effects. Um, you know, the microclots by themselves are not deadly, uh, but they do cause uh, restrictions to blood flow in, to certain parts of the body. So um, you're getting less oxygen to your muscle yeah. groups, so you feel weaker, you feel more tired, you're not. Uh, perfusing as much as you should um which is uh the 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 only uh, like (laughs) it just means oxygenating your blood but for some reason it got stuck in my in my head and i had to use it there (laughs) you
0: you can tell people if you're listening you can always tell when we're like really tired or really under it because our vocabulary comes out to play like our brains just cannot operate in the casual. We have to go to like the deep cut words that we know. Um, yeah, a little little spoiler if you want to know how, yep. how life is going. Check the vocabulary.
1: The less sense we make, the <laughs> the tireder we are. Right. Uh, uh,
0: another prediction that we made though in that whole thing or that it was the thing that we discussed i don't know that we necessarily made a prediction but um we were talking about whether or not we would start to see movies released in theaters exclusively in theaters especially or if we would end up in a strange space where things come out on streaming and in theaters or one and or the other mm-hmm. um and i i think that you know we nailed that one too we did see some of the studios go back to releasing uh, movies in theaters exclusively. Um, But then we also saw that that did not work as well for them as they thought that it would. Uh, So now we are seeing that really weird combination of um, things coming out in theaters and then on streaming or in on streaming and in theaters at the same time Um, or in theaters in certain areas.
1: Yeah. I think that's, I think that's also a question that's still up in the air. I don't think it's actually been resolved this year Um, there's no like, there's no like, aha, this was the way that we're going to do it now. This is what makes money. Um, because I mean, uh, there's this really, really fun Christmas movie that came out, um, that is very rated R, but it's called violent night. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. and it's got, uh, it's, 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 uh, is it David Harbor? Is that his Mm -hmm. name? Yeah. Um, as Santa Claus. It's phenomenal it, it's so fun if you're not squeamish um, yeah yeah gory
0: it's like it's gory. it's
1: very gory but like not like a horror movie gory i no. just I, it yeah it's more comedic than horror more it, it's a comedic action
0: i feel like that's
1: horror. I don't know. it's I, like home alone on steroids in a lot of it's ways It's
0: literally called violent night so that should tell yeah. you everything you need to know
1: yeah anyway Enough of that uh, <laughs> prompt or uh, endorsement of the movie. My point is it actually came out in theaters and also uh, on Amazon Prime in very close proximity. I don't know if it was mm-hmm. on the same day. Um, but on Amazon, it was $20 to rent and $25 yeah. to own. Yeah. So m- my family, we, like, we watched it at home and we just bought it. Because yeah. for the $5 difference, you can watch it as many times as you want or until, you know, Amazon reclaims their rights to your digital property and you don't have a physical copy to back it up and then you can't watch it anymore. Anyway, um, anyway, that's a conversation for another time. Um, but it, I think what we're going to see is more – I think that's kind of the happy zone that they're going to land in is yeah. there will be the theater experience that you can pay for if you want or if you want to watch it at home. Um, the initial rental fee is going to be like very high. uh, Yeah, that $20. And then as the as the movie itself gets pulled out of theaters, maybe maybe we'll see that rental fee go down. Um, I can't imagine that they're going to settle on $20 to rent, you know, a movie that's six months out of theaters.
0: So here's the thing, though, if you think about it. I mean, and out of theaters, yeah, you're not going to get that. So it's it's going to be that if you want it, the instant experience. Um, but if you think about it, like for me to take my family to the movies because my kids are too old to get kids tickets now, um, yeah. it's, it costs me 60 bucks just for tickets. Yeah. yeah. So I will gladly pay $20 to rent something to watch it at home and yeah. get dollar movie candy um, with all of us instead of Going and, you know, dumping all that money at the theater where and with the rentals, you can watch it a few times if you want to. Yeah. So um. that's
1: and that's kind of what I said to, to my family when we were watching. I was like, you know, 20 bucks if we all went to the theater, it'd be 100 and some odd. because yeah. there's so many of us. So this is a good deal. But um, I, I think. I think the, I, I kind of suspect that uh, the way audiences will treat it is blockbusters things like avatar Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um if it were the first one and not the second one which is not getting a lot of pulling a lot of crowds apparently i mean it's still set to to break a billion dollars after like 12 days or something it's massive but yeah um but like these huge blockbusters uh if if and when marvel gets their story writing cleaned up again um and and is releasing the new generation of heroes that, that everybody's as attached to as they were to Iron Man, stuff like that. Um, you'll see people paying theater fees for those movies, mm-hmm. going to those movies in the theater. But uh, quieter, I think, uh, less visually compelling movies, uh, dramas, things that are more intimate. I wouldn't be surprised to see more people just choosing to watch those at home. Yeah. Um, and... And not springy because you don't you don't like having the massive twenty one speaker setup and you know right. a screen that's as tall as or as wide as most buildings are tall. It just doesn't pay off for yeah. those movies. So right. I think that's what we'll see
0: around here. We're seeing uh, like Alamo Draft House um, or the we have an IMAX. Um, we're starting to see a lot of nostalgia films get the same kind of turnout as the new films do and people are watching new films at home but they'll like we went to see jaws in the imax because it's one of my favorite movies of all time and watching it in the imax is a thousand percent better um so people people are paying money to go have that experience versus just to see the movie that's coming out so it'll be interesting to see how that balances out
1: yeah we'll see theaters and and then a lot of social arenas where where it relies on a crowd coming out they're gonna have to change their their uh they're gonna continue i should say to change how they draw crowds because the alamo has been doing it for years but other theaters are starting to catch on to that and and to to sort similar alamo is hands down my favorite theater to go to and if they had a sort of like monthly subscription service where you could i think they do I, I, well, I know AMC does, but I don't know if Alamo does. Uh, they to used to at out.
0: least for sure. Um, but yeah, also our AMC, at least here in town, um, is doing a really good job of of starting to rival Alamo as well. Yeah. Um, but we'll the good seats and the good food. And if you are a stockholder, you get some pretty fun perks. So, um, oh, oh
1: really? Oh really?
0: Yeah, you actually do.
1: <laughs> Interesting.
0: Early release tickets and stuff like that. But, um,
1: Enough about theaters,
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. we just it's it's time. so let's talk about social media though,
1: yeah, let's talk about social media because there are so many interesting things happening uh, with these. I want uh you you lead us off on this one,
0: yeah, well, our prediction was that there would just be continued um turmoil for social media platforms going into. All the way through 2022, uh, which is what mm. we saw. Um, we did talk a little bit last year about regulations and um what we thought that people were gonna do with section two thirty. Um, and it turns out that, you know, no no one got very far when it came to regulations until actually right here at the end of the uh end of the year when we're starting to see some movement on TikTok. Um and yeah. uh, I, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know how many people have come up to me and said, Well, did you hear that they're going to ban TikTok? and uh that's a very nuanced conversation but i think that's yeah. the the closest that we've seen to regulation has been with tiktok right here in the yeah. in the end of the year um but there's a lot do of conversation think, on both sides
1: yeah do you think Robin, do you think we're going to see an outright ban on tiktok
0: uh on personal devices no yeah. um and we earlier um uh, kind of early in the year we're going to talk a little bit about um kind of our our digital relationships and privacy and the way that that works and what we've traded off um, to live the kind of digital fusion lives that we do. And I don't think that we'll see an outright ban on TikTok on personal devices simply because um, we all give up so much privacy every time we open an app. Uh, the oh. difference is who owns this one. So mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of conversation about about changing ownership or oversight or all of that kind of stuff, um, but I don't think we'll see an outright ban on TikTok. It's way too yeah. freaking popular right now.
1: I think it's actually far more likely that we'll see. Um, well, we did just see it on, uh, banned on on government devices, but yes,
0: yeah, um, and a lot of municipal devices and
1: um, university federal, federal stuff, government yeah, devices, yeah. Um, and that's, by the way, that's the that's part of the nuance in the banning of TikTok. It was just on. Government phones, yeah. um, and there's a very specific um, security reason for that. Yes, um, but uh, the uh, <laughs> I have actually I've never used TikTok. Not that I'm not bragging about it. It's just um, of all of the the social media platforms, it's the one that I there the there's the greatest. Uh, probability of my mm. data that I'm going to be giving them being misused, yeah, um, and being used to 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 my detriment mm-hmm. on that one, and so I've never uh, never downloaded or never installed it on any of my devices yeah. myself, which sucks because I have to get my I have to get my TikToks on Instagram.
0: You can get like them on Pinterest too.
1: Days after I can't do Pinterest, I can't. <laughs> The problem with Pinterest is I get sucked in. I have boards. I have like these vision boards. Like, what am mm-hmm. I going to do? What am I going to mm-hmm. have? And I'll waste so much time making these boards that are never going to exist anywhere other than Pinterest. I can't know. do it. Can't that's, do it.
0: That's because the itch to have the thing is satisfied by building the board that has the thing on it.
1: Chris, yeah. You maybe. Fucking you know, my spicy sa- brain. It might save me some money, but it would definitely lose me a lot of time.
0: True story. So, um, no, and I do but- like I do have it. Uh, a because I have teenagers, and two because my job is digital marketing, um, and yeah. so I have to understand how it works. But I have very significant thoughts about it as a platform. And if um, if I did not have teenagers and a job that required me to understand how it works, I also would not have it simply because um, my concern is yes, the data, uh, but also it is very specifically and brilliantly engineered.
1: Oh yeah. To, it's it's and like it crack.
0: It has done what no other social media platform had been able to do up to that point as far as engagement and reward loops and all of that kind of stuff. So, um,
1: it's, yeah, Instagram yeah, bad enough.
0: It's, it will destroy our brains.
1: Not really, yeah. but I would, uh, something I'd like to talk about in this coming year is how, uh, these social media, uh, apps, these websites, uh, impact our mental health, how it, how how it impacts our dopamine receptors Mm -hmm. and and the actual neurochemistry in our brain, um, and hacks your brain to, uh, to, to stay on. Cause I know that I, I even being aware that there is a specific manipulation happening to keep me on these sites. I still lose time to these apps knowing that they're manipulating me Mm -hmm. to stay
0: on. Would you be willing so, to do an experiment with me? Because I've been reading about something um, that is supposed to be a hack for brains like ours, but it requires restricting your phone use in the morning and right before bed. And so it'd be really fun to do an experiment in conjunction with an episode like that. That'd be really fun. Mm.
1: Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. We will yeah. put our bodies on the line for the show. Yeah. Or at least our brains. Yeah, exactly. Totally down. Uh, um, let's talk about um,
0: true social, though, for a minute.
1: Can we not? <laughs> I I was going to say, as we get into this one, one thing we did not predict, even though we predicted turmoil for, for, for social media was Elon Musk buying Twitter. Oh God,
0: nobody predicted that. Yeah. No. Yeah. That was the worst. Yeah. It's been Uh, very enjoyable,
1: but. Yeah. (laughs) It's. We'll see if he actually steps down after.
0: The internet told him to.
1: The internet told him to. For those of you who did not see this, um, Elon Musk put whether or not he remains CEO up to a vote to Twitter.
0: <laughs> Twitter which fucking poll.
1: It's just a Twitter poll. And I don't get this guy because one of his big problems in, that he claimed in purchasing Twitter, or one of the reasons he tried to, tried to back out was because he said there were too many bots right? and that Twitter wasn't doing anything about him and that you know it was basically all artificial. And then he opens up a poll that doesn't have any controls on it, nope. as far as anybody knows, if it does have controls to to keep bots from voting in it, he hasn't released that information. Right, and he makes these decisions based on on these polls that can literally just be purchased. Yeah, like you can buy bots to do that are programmed to do things like like your posts, right, on Twitter. So there's no reason somebody couldn't pay a few thousand bucks for a you know ten thousand, twenty thousand, thirty thousand votes. Uh, on a Twitter poll. I So it's just weird. It's, yeah. it's just weird. Um, but truth social. Yeah, we uh, we talked about how this so-called mecca of free speech one <laughs> would not be a mecca of free speech for people on the left um, and two would uh, see censorship come in pretty dang fast um, due to things like extremism. And uh, and there'd be some pretty heavy regulation on the site. So what did we see, Robin?
0: I mean, we we saw censorship come in pretty damn fast, Uh, but it it wasn't really because of extremism. Um, It's kind of what the other option that we saw, which was to kind of curate um, to curate speech. But yeah, it
1: uh, I know extremist BS does. I mean, does still get censored if you want to call it that right uh on that website like you still can't say we need to go out and kill everything well i mean you can you can but they they are legally
0: liable if they don't take it down yeah
1: Yeah. Um, so they are they are having to to, you know in the will um just you're friendly every time we talk about this reminder private companies are under no obligation to allow you freedom of speech. Literally, not First Amendment only applies to the federal government and the state governments that are also beholden to Constitution. So, which is yes. all of them. Just saying. Just saying. You signed, you signed the EULA. It's not censorship. It's yeah. just what you agreed to do.
0: Yeah. If you don't like it, start reading those things. Promise. They're boring. But there's a They're lot boring. of interesting also, stuff in there.
1: Yeah. If you understand what you're reading, which I don't, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pretend like I'm better than you. But like a lot of a lot of the stuff in there, you're like, oh, oh,
0: that would be a fun breakdown, actually. How oh to God. read? Would it be fun? Ayula.
1: Would it be fun? Well, no, because, I don't know if it'd be fun.
0: Uh, well, okay, so this is weird. Part of my job context here, a lot of them are pretty standard. Um, so yeah. if you know what's included in the different kinds of sections, you can actually move through them pretty quickly. Um. But we could talk about things that you can watch out for and keywords to look for. I don't know. I feel like it'd be fun. But I'm a complete nerd.
1: Maybe we could do a real quick one on that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of real quick, we're not doing it. So <laughs> Rude. we're not. I'm. We're 20 some odd, 28 minutes, almost 30 minutes in now.
0: Well, OK. But all we have to do is get through the rest of these predictions, talk and about the predictions
1: for next year. <laughs>
0: well, we kind of have been doing those as we go along in some of these.
1: Okay, um, fair.
0: And then just a quick, like, here's what happened in 2022, and here's what you're gonna get in 2023. So we got time. We got time.
1: We got time. We got time. We'll be fine. We got so much time. Fine. Fifteen minutes to wrap this bad boy up. We got um, this. So yeah, we uh, workforce the workplace and, and how we were what we were going to see in terms of uh, what was happening uh, in just like American labor. Uh, United States labor um, we definitely we we definitely saw a lot of conversation about um, the minimum wage about worker pay and benefits um, we saw a lot of attempts and some of them successful some of them not um, to to unionize um, places that previously had uh, people hadn't considered union unionization um, such as Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, lo- locations um, and several Starbucks locations uh, unionized this year. Um, there was a, a strike, I think, last weekend or the weekend before. Yeah, like um, a three-day walkout. A three-day walkout uh, where the employees you know, were, were working for better conditions. Um, some of those unionized Starbucks got shut down. <laughs> um, I don't know. I haven't done the research to see if it was because of the union or yeah. because – just it was not a profitable location to begin with, right? Um, but of course, all of the stories were that it was that it was in, the the headlines, I should say, always implied that it was because of uh, the unionization. Yeah, of um, course.
0: Um, yeah. We Starbucks did see... location
1: that unionized this year shuts down. Shuts
0: okay. down. Yeah. Okay. Um, Let's well, just um, there, yeah. Um, but we also did see uh, congressional offices unionized. We did a whole episode. Um, early in 2022 on what's happening on Capitol Hill and uh, the Dear White Staffers account and their push toward unionization in the offices of many Congress people. And we did see quite a few of them actually unionize this year, which is really cool. And um, it's been really interesting to follow that account and the progress and all of the changes that have been happening for um, the people who work in our actual government. And make it possible for our elected officials to get done what they do get done. So that was really cool.
1: Yeah. Um, um, we saw a change in the discussion or at least a continuing discussion, not really a change, but a louder conversation about work-life balance and what that means and what it looks like in an age of increasing automation, in an age where uh, work from home was proven to be viable for Mm -hmm. a lot of industries that previously would never allow it. Um, And as we move into 2023, we're seeing a lot of those industries uh, no longer uh, allow work from home.
0: This whole return Um, to work controversy and yeah. there's there's been a really huge pushback among workers. And I I'm really enjoying seeing it, especially over on LinkedIn. There's a lot of really good conversation. But you didn't realize that LinkedIn actually has some pretty good discussions going on.
1: Did um, you know LinkedIn is a social media platform? Yes, because that's what it is.
0: It is. Um, But yeah, it's it's been really interesting to see that switch between what many people got used to during the pandemic and the, the freedom and the flexibility without the loss of productivity that we saw. And then this kind of return to anxiety and control that we're seeing in some industries. So,
1: yeah, a lot of, there's a lot of, um, I think reflexive backlash, uh, to the to people who work from home, um, There's I I don't think it's entirely surprising, uh, but it's still sad sort of the reality that uh, people who work from home are less likely to get promotions. Um, Mm -hmm. They're more likely to be fired uh, easier because for any any number of reasons, the perception that they're not being productive, the perception that they're not working um, like it's just as we adjust to having a workforce that can work from home, um, it's crashing up against people who came up in a workforce that was not allowed to work from home. And so their ideas of what a productive worker looks like, what they do, who they are, um, are being challenged. Um, and so when they, when they because these people, since they came up in it and they're in positions of responsibility now, um, when it's time to evaluate the workers under them, the employees under them who don't meet these standards that they established whenever there was no work from home or it was considerably restricted, um, and they're using these old standards to evaluate by, you're seeing a lot of people who are otherwise good employees suffer yeah. because of that. Um, just because they, they're they not fitting a, a particular mold. Yeah. And That's a... So- theory I have anyway. well
0: I mean it's something that I experience in my everyday life and I work in the office most days of the week um, but I do I do leverage a bit more flexibility because um, I'm a parent and uh, I get to be the flexible parent more often than not uh, because my yeah. husband works in a job that is not as flexible as mine so um, even like even though I'm in the office most of the time I still encounter some of that Perspective from some of my coworkers. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and where we see the balance end up, especially with more and more remote first companies uh, popping up. So, yeah, that'll
1: be good. I think we'll I think we're going to see a a reflexive rubber banding (laughs) Uh, positions that could be remote um, that are not being offered as remote anymore Mm -hmm. by companies because. Um, for no for no legitimate reason other than right. uh, perception or or trying to uh, control that sort of difference between uh, an in office worker and a at home stay at home worker. Yeah. Um, I think we're also going to see more and more uh, experiments with shorter work weeks. Yeah, 30 hour work weeks or, or 32 hour work weeks, uh, four day work weeks. Um, I know there's another study that just like it just happened. Um, and for the life of me, I cannot remember where it was, but I feel like it was in 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 Europe somewhere. So it's kind of new in that regard, because um, most of these have been in Japan um, or a lot of them have been in Japan that I've read about um, that uh, that a four day work week was. Was every bit as productive, and in some cases more productive than a five-day work week.
0: Yeah, um, I saw a piece on NPR today that was talking about um, you know the fact that we could, in America at least, see a fifteen-hour work week by I think it was like twenty thirty-five or something like that. Um, so
1: I was reading something, and I don't know how true this is, but back in I think the fifties. I think it was the fifties. There was this prediction that by 20 or by 2000 or or 2020, somewhere in this millennia, early in this millennia um, that we'd see a 14 hour work week and the Jetsons
0: was used
1: to, to demonstrate that.
0: Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. Um, I mean, I know early in the 20, probably in the 2010s, there was a really popular book by a guy named Tim Ferriss called the four hour work week. And it kind of, was one of the first things that spurred this idea that we don't have to work ourselves to death for 50 hours a week in order to achieve our life goals, kind of divesting our personal identity and our value from our job. Um, So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where we end up with that going forward. Um, Who knows?
1: I I do think we'll see... A push towards shorter work weeks, um, especially as more and more data comes out that it, if it can support the idea that productivity doesn't actually go down and it might actually go up um, with shorter work weeks, I think we'll see that push. But I don't think we're actually going to see it be effectively implemented oh God, no. in 2023 or even the next decade.
0: No. I think it. We will start to see more divergence toward entrepreneurship and companies that are specifically dedicated to that. But I don't think that we'll see that in mainstream industry anytime yeah.
1: soon. Um, um, okay, so yeah, this I this agree. is
0: a good prediction. I'm going to move us on because I could soapbox on this all day long. Yep. Yep. Yep, um, yep. One prediction that we made is that Donald Trump would become secondary to his own movement. Uh, the prediction was that he would be not extreme enough anymore. Um, but I think we kind of saw that shift a little bit to just that he uh, he's a little irrelevant. He's not extreme enough, but he's too extreme. But he it's it's this weird combination.
1: Um, yeah, I think so. Before we get too deep down this, uh, I think both Robin and I agree that Trump is still the presumptive nominee for the 2024 uh, twenty-four. Election as things stand right now, but that could change, and we'll talk about yeah. that in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but as things stand right now, we're not saying that he's not still uh, like the powerhouse in the Republican Party. Um, it's just that well, there's been a significant yeah. reduction in his um, relevance, yeah, uh, to things, and he's. The the midterms really, I think, highlight that in a a pretty damning way for for the Trumpites mm-hmm. um, and the fact that so many of the people that Trump nominated or sorry, supported uh, lost. Yeah, I think. I think any I think everybody that he explicitly endorsed lost their elections, but I'm, or there, almost there
0: may have been one or two um, on a on a state level um, that either kept their seat or or won a seat. But also, uh, I think in those districts, there really isn't another viable candidate. Uh, we have a lot of districts where there's either no democratic candidate on the ballot or um, no viable competition. Um, so I think that there were probably a few cases. Of those, But yeah, we've really seen him kind of move into a space where he's only relevant to a particular part of the Republican Party, whereas he was the entire Republican Party when we started the year. So um, yeah. it will be interesting to see how things play out, especially in light of, you know, all of the January 6th stuff and the Mar-a-Lago stuff and um, some of these things that are, are coming to light. As we learn more about what happened under Donald Trump as president. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I think yeah. any, I think just a very quick search. I think anybody that he supported in a, in a actual battleground uh, yeah. state, I think they lost. <laughs> yeah.
0: Where, where there so, was actual competition,
1: they lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then that also ties into the redistricting uh, conversation. Uh, it was, I think we actually got this one wrong, um, a little bit. I was predicting much more, uh, redistricting drama after the, after the shenanigans with the census. Um, but most of the maps I think turned out, they were still gerrymandered, but they weren't as bad as they were there were some critical districts mm-hmm. uh that that got that got gerrymandered in favor of of republicans because they controlled more of the um the state uh governments but um uh, we saw a lot of courts uh block the super gerrymandered districts yeah <laughs> which is not a real term it's just one I, I made up um things that were obviously gerrymandered got blocked out um forced to uh forced to, to redraw the map, um, or to bring in a, a third party or a con- consultant to, to, to draw them. Um, but that's also why we have, uh, this Supreme court case yeah. that might determine <sighs> there's so much, Yeah, <laughs> the independent state legislature theory. Um, so, uh, we did an episode on that a couple weeks ago. So if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, go check that out. Yes. It is important for you to keep track of.
0: Absolutely. Um, so before we move into our predictions for 2023, um, we just want to talk a little bit about where we're headed with the podcast in 2023. Um, we, Our goal this last year was to get you 50 episodes, and we didn't get there Um Just a whole lot of life happened. COVID happened. I think we both got COVID early last year, um, which knocked us out for a few episodes. Um, But we did make some really, really great content. So we're not going to promise you a set number of episodes in 2023, but we are going to promise you some cool new formats and some uh, different ways to consume our content. We started posting to YouTube this year, which is really fun. And now, thanks to the help of a really cool person, uh, we're doing YouTube better, so you'll be able to consume the podcast in different ways on YouTube and on social media going forward in 2023. Um, we're really excited about that and yeah, and we'll, we'll be bringing you some new, new episode formats. We'll keep up with the fireside Reads series. We had a lot of fun doing that in yeah, 2022. We, did have
1: to, we had to sacrifice one of them, uh, at the end of 2022 here. Uh, yeah,
0: we'll pick it back uh, up though. Um, next yeah. year. And then um, we're going to be doing something that we like to call headlines grab bag or headlines crap bag every month where we get to cover some of the headlines that we can't necessarily make a full episode out of, but we still want to talk about them um, and and bring up some important information. So that'll be good. Trying to
1: balance ongoing issues with more long term, not necessarily evergreen, but relevant uh, in the broader conversation. issues. Yeah. the balance we're trying to strike
0: and then as as always we welcome your suggestions and your questions um if there's something you want to know more about or you'd like us to dig into please uh let us know and we will we'll get that added to the list because at the end of the day we want to talk about what people want to hear about it's the whole goal is to better equip folks to have these hard conversations so that's
1: right yeah yeah um I, i want to take a little moment right here um, to thank everybody who who's been listening, um, who stuck with us through these past few months while uh, while our lives restructured. Um, there's been a lot going on. We've mentioned it several times, and uh, sometimes we just we just can't uh, get an episode pushed yeah. out um, like we could, um, and that instability is likely to, likely to continue. We're going to try to get, uh, back on our regular posting schedule, but, um, bear with us a little, a little longer as we work through things. Yeah. Um, on that note, <laughs> I think we are still looking, we, we, we will be looking for more help, uh, if, as soon as we can figure out how to, how yeah. to make that a, a fair thing. But, um, standing call for assistance if you have a desire and want to volunteer uh that's kind of where we are right now um but uh but yeah thank you so much for 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 sticking with us as we do this um let's um maybe blitz through some real quick predictions rapid fire rapid fire yes um this oh, one what I I, I I I'm going to I'm going to softball pitch you here. Okay. Uh, I just said that we think that Trump is the presumptive nomination for the Republican Party for the 2024 presidential election. Um, but I also said that that could change. So mm-hmm. what is your prediction, Robin? I don't think uh, he's going
0: to be. I don't think yeah. so. I think that, Why is that? Um, I think he's a little he's a little radioactive right now and I think that if the Republican Party can find literally anyone else They will, um, especially because we saw so many Trumpist uh, people emerge during the era of Donald Trump that are continuing to carry that same mentality, that same um, perspective forward, even without Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis, I think, is maybe one of the stronger candidates um, that will give that part of the base the hard-hitting... really kind of solidly right wing feeling without being dangerous the way that Donald Trump is dangerous. I think everybody knows at this point that if they were to reelect him, it would be an incredible struggle to get anything accomplished. And so I think that strategically, if I was the Republican Party, I would choose a candidate that I think is going to be more likely to get things accomplished than Donald Trump
1: is. Well, I think – I agree. I don't think – okay. I sort (laughs) of agree, I should say. Okay. If things stay the way that they are, Trump is going to be the candidate. And I say that because out of the current contenders that could also be the candidate, including DeSantis, they all lack a very, very crucial aspect that Donald Trump somehow has in spades. Oh, charisma. And that is charisma. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. And and DeSantis is like talking to a uh, a stump no. that that, you know, gave up on multisyllabic words years ago. He just he cannot work a crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, Trump, he, his charisma is not a great charisma, but he has it. I mean, he is able to hold the attention of people who are listening to them, whether they like him or not, Mm -hmm. it's one of his strengths and something that should not be overlooked. He is terrible at actually communicating. If you listen (laughs) to what he's saying, if you listen or read what he said, like he does not actually communicate anything, but because of the way he communicates, he, people hear what they want to hear from him. Yeah. Um and it's a very interesting and and specific quirk of of Trump's speech pattern specifically. Mm-hmm. The way he talks. And that allows him to hold a crowd. That allows yeah. him to get 30,000 people to to do sorry, I don't know why I said 30,000 people. Um, 30% of the Republican <laughs> base is what I meant to say. The Republican base is slightly larger than a hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah it's a little bit, um, but he, it allows him to retain their their allegiance, for lack of a a, a better term, um, even though he continues to step on rakes and smack himself in the face.
0: <laughs> it's true. It's true.
1: Um,
0: the charisma so, angle and, you can't you cannot discount that
1: for sure. Yeah. yeah, and until if a candidate steps up that has that level of charisma, um, then he will easily and and still manages to feed the sort of red meat to the Republican base that Trump is able to toss out, um, then Trump's going to fall off almost entirely.
0: Yeah, Um, I think that's fair. And I think kind of to jump around in our order here a little bit, um, I think that no matter what happens with the 2024 election, we're going to continue to see a lot of infighting between Republican groups in Congress. Uh, We're already seeing that when it comes to even electing the, um, the party majority leader, right? Like we're, we're seeing that fight already. And so if they continue to not be able to get their shit together, there's going to be a lot of struggle, even though they do have a majority in the house of representatives. um, And, even though the majority in the Senate is not super strong, I think that we could see the Republican party really hamstring themselves and not be able to accomplish much because they're too busy fighting and they will be too busy fighting over things like who's going to be the candidate.
1: Yeah. In I, and I think, I mean, we're already seeing that, um, with, with McCarthy, uh, even if he does actually get to be the, the Republican majority leader, which I think, I think he will. Um, The Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, block, if you will, and the people that are with her. By the way, she said that electric vehicles are a plan by Pete Buttigieg to emasculate America. Listen. I just want to say that is a literal, legitimate thing that she said.
0: She is a train wreck that I can't stop
1: watching. Anyway, that level of genius and those who think like her... um, they're going to be the this chaos factor yeah. within the Republican yeah. uh, House representatives. And because of them, I think I think it's more likely that we're going to see cont- uh, more bipartisan efforts in 2023, because if the Republicans want to get anything done, if they want to do anything while they control the House, they're going to have to get bipartisan support. Um Because the I think what we're going to see is any bill that they propose that Marjorie Taylor Greene and her uh, her block uh, sign on to is going to be too extreme for to make it past the Senate, which has a 51 uh, seat majority uh, towards Democrats. Um, And so legislation coming out of the House is going to have to be more moderate Mm -hmm. than uh then the far right would support and so they won't and so you have to get democrats to sign on to it it's going to pull it it's going to pull it farther to to the left which will i mean on the global scale it'll mean a, any legislation will end up solidly right of center but uh <laughs> um for american politics it means that stuff is going to be much more central uh, centrist than yeah. uh than re- the republican far right would like I think that's that's my prediction when it comes to how the house, how the Congress is going to operate in 2023.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's that's kind of what we're going to see. Um, but I think that even despite all of that, I do anticipate, and this feels like kind of a far out prediction, but um, hopefully, hopefully, I'll prove myself right. Um, I think that we will see some sort of abortion protection that gets codified in federal law. Um, let me clarify. I think so, too. I don't think it's going to be what everybody wants it to be, right? I think it's going to be, um, the words that I wrote down were vague and performative in its actual functionality, kind of like the Respect for Marriage Act. While I do appreciate what it is aiming to accomplish, um, there are a lot of caveats, and I think that we will see that. Um, But I also think that we will see this kind of hoisted up on the shoulders and lauded as a victory for Democrats, despite their disadvantage in Congress uh, in yeah. this term. So, um, you know, hopefully well, we do see something like that and it it will cover at least the basics, right? At least the bare minimum. That's what we're looking for. And then- I think
1: it'll be a, uh, it'll, it won't it will be enough, but we'll see something along the lines of like a 15 week or somewhere in there.
0: Right. Like, or, I mean, if, if we can even just establish exceptions, right? If we can just yeah. get the exceptions codified into law so that- rape and incest and the life of the mother and mental health um are protected statuses then i think that that's something that we can build on that that yeah. will cover a good majority of um of what has to be covered and then we yeah. can build
1: from there it'll be it, the 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 a majority of americans agree on at least according to the last data i saw agree yes. on some level of allowance for abortion um, um i don't think i think the way it breaks down is it's not there's no majority of americans that support a total ban and there's no majority of americans that support um no restriction whatsoever right it's like um the the vast majority of americans land in this sort of middle ground where there's reasonable uh, allowances and reasonable restrictions. Right. And um, and we're going to see I agree with you some sort of legislation maybe in think that across. vein.
0: Uh, that yeah. is I mean honestly at a federal level I think that's the best that we could hope for would be um, to take care of those kind of uh, the circumstances that we're starting to see or that we have been seeing come up in conversation a lot lately yeah. Um just to, to make think, sure that those are taken care of.
1: Yeah, um, I don't think we're going to see a lot of massive shifts uh, from the Democratic side of things. Um, we're talking a lot about the Republican side because they're the ones who have their power uh, position has changed uh, in the House, but and, you know in the in the Democratic controlled Senate, um, there'll be less drama with Kirsten Cinema, who's now a, a quote unquote independent. Um, which is no real change ideologically. <laughs> no. um, she'll still most likely vote with Democrats most of the time. Uh, there'll be less appeasement for right. uh, for her or and or Joe Manchin. Yeah. Um, and that's really what it's going to come down to. Um, I think we'll see probably 2023 is going to be a relatively quiet year, honestly, overall for legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, and there'll be a big push to get stuff through in 2024 in the run up to the election, just like we saw a lot of stuff get passed or getting starting to get talked about in the run up to the midterms. It's just strategic uh, advantage for, for the Democrats to do it that way. Um, I think we're going to see last prediction and then we gotta, we gotta put a bow on this one. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of attempts at performative investigations into the Biden's and just like the Twitter files, they're not going to go anywhere. Um, if there's an investigation that actually gets off the ground into the Hunter Biden's laptop, um, it's, it's, it's going to turn out to be, uh, what it, I think has always been, um, Largely irrelevant to Joe Biden and Mm -hmm. the actual president and uh, and the Democratic Party, Mm -hmm. because Hunter Biden isn't a politician. Right, he just happens to be related to Joe Biden. Right, Um, and I think a lot of the 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 most damning uh, things that are allegedly on this laptop, I think, we're going to. we're going to find are very, very questionable when it comes to uh, where they came from and when they got on the laptop and like even the the uh, the computer tech who who originally uh, disclosed that he had the laptop. Um, he was coming out saying, "Guys, like, there's some wild claims coming out. Like, somebody claimed to have recovered." hundreds of gigs of files or something from the laptop um i I don't remember the exact number uh but the tech came out and he's like well that's not i mean it it was only like a 250 gigabyte hard drive so i don't know where these Mm. (laughs) other like (laughs) 250 gigs of files are coming from because they couldn't be on the laptop itself um so we're gonna see it the republicans in the house are gonna kick up a lot of nonsense investigations we might see a very anemic attempt to impeach joe biden um but it's going to be a stretch i think yeah at best
0: well Um, and i i I have a theory that the republicans will not effectively try to impeach joe biden because if they do they get kamala harris and she's a whole lot further to the left than he is like well i mean
1: I think it'll go. I mean, there's a possibility that Joe Biden will be impeached, but he's never going to like the Democrats control the Senate. Yeah, there's not going to there will never be 60 votes to remove Biden from office unless he actually commits a legitimate impeachable offense, in which case the the Democrats would vote to impeach him because that's look at how they treat everybody else in their party who gets accused of or 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 called a uh you know uh, accused of committing a crime like yeah they they kick them out of the party and they res- or they resign yeah
0: you know? so
1: so um but yeah
0: that's a pretty good predictions i think going into that i think
1: so too yeah we're fully an hour in 15 minutes over our prediction i'm just it's gonna okay. cut that part out of the podcast entirely Aw that's fair <laughs> where we where we predict a forty-five-minute episode and say it's going to be shorter, yeah, yeah. There's no need. He, those of you who who watch the YouTube, you'll know. You'll know. You're the su- you're the superior uh, audience. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But the podcast people, they're not going to get that.
0: YouTube or this. YouTubers get a lot of perks that the uh, the audio audience doesn't like watching me dry the ends of my hair because I washed it and it's still dripping and hearing our inaccurate time predictions. Um, but you know what everyone has access to? What's that? Firesidebreakdowns.com. Boom. There it is. Where you can find show notes. You can find all of our episodes. You can find links to our social media, including the YouTube. You can also leave us a comment. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about in this coming year. Tell us how great of a job we're doing, or if you hate our guts, You can find a link to leave us a review, which is the single most helpful thing that you can possibly do for us on this podcast. Uh, You can do that on any platform or at the link on our website. And you will also find a link to our Patreon. Because if you think the YouTube audience gets perks, our patrons get more perks. Like early access to episodes and fun bloopers and bonus content uh, and all kinds of fun things like that. And they do also get preferential um, requests for episodes so true you can find all of that and more at fireside Breakdowns, a.com
1: a.com beautiful so proud of you Thanks. you know what we have before we go
0: is it good news
1: it's good news yes I love i'll start us off here as one of her last moves before leaving office oregon governor kate brown commuted the sentences of all 17 people waiting for execution They will instead serve life in prison with no chance of parole. Brown has used her power of clemency more than any of the state's previous governors, granting clemency to nearly 1,000 people during the COVID-19 pandemic. Brown notes that the majority of her clemency work has been geared towards creating a more equitable criminal justice system in Oregon, and that a disproportionate number of those currently on death row in the state are people of color. But, she says this particular action is different because it's based solely on the immorality of the death penalty.
0: Yeah. Um, Governor Brown said that justice is not advanced by taking a life and that the state should not be in the business of executing people, even if a horrible, horrible crime or crimes place them in prison. She said the death penalty has also never been administered fairly, consistently or equitably in Oregon or, frankly, across the United States. Um, and you know this isn't out of the ordinary. This isn't strange. Oregon has a long battle with the death penalty. Um, they've abolished it and reinstated it several times. And the state has only executed two people in the last fifty years. So it's not like this is a um, a huge uh, difference in the number of people who are going to be executed um, in twenty nineteen. They passed a bill that narrowed that narrowed the scope of what constitutes a capital offense. And then in 2020, the state closed its death row facility and moved those prisoners into the general population. 2021, a state Supreme Court ruling has kind of set a precedent that could eradicate the sentences of many other people um, in the state, especially those who could qualify for the death penalty. So, um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot of history there. And then Governor-elect Tina Kotek has indicated that she also will continue this moratorium because she opposes the death penalty on religious grounds. Uh, so what Governor Kate Brown has done possibly is to effectively end state executions in Oregon um, for the foreseeable future, Yeah, which I, I consider I, that to be great news.
1: I do as well. Um, one of the one of my. Final projects for my master's degree was to, was uh about the the death penalty and its efficacy, um and, and especially how it relates to the the U.S. criminal justice system, and um I up until that point I was all I was all like yeah certain people need to be unalived uh for the better of society yeah but um ever since then I've had serious reservations about its implementation. Um, you know, there are some people it's really hard to say, like, you know, they they shouldn't be killed, uh, you know, the, the Jeffrey Dahmers and, and the, right. um, the the mass murdering psychopaths in our society. Uh, but the vast majority of people on death row are not those people. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them are completely innocent. Um, and I'm not saying it's a majority by any means. Um, but it's, if it's one, it's too many because, uh, because execution isn't a just punishment for being innocent. Um, and so if we can, if we fail even once, then we have failed as a society by putting an innocent person to death. Um, but there's also other, just more practical grounds that lead me to lean towards not supporting the death penalty at all, which are the fact that death penalties are actually more expensive for the taxpayer than life in prison. Um, Because everybody, (laughs) which is something that really gets me going when somebody's like, I don't want to support them with my tax dollars for the rest of their lives. And I was like, okay, but you're spending more tax money. Like you spend more money to kill them than you do to keep them alive. You're wasting more money on them. Like, you get that this, that's worse, right? And um, and the reason being is because there are certain automatic um, legal procedures that are implemented when you're on death row that a lifer doesn't get. Things like automatic appeals and um, the retention fees. A lot of people on death row, they can't afford anything but, say, a public defender. Right. So, the public defenders have to be paid for the entirety of the case, all of the work they do. They get it gets billed, so that adds up over time, and it is much more expensive. It does. Um,
0: we actually we should we should do we should do an investigation into uh, the the costs, like what what that looks
1: like. Oh, we could do a whole series on I the would death love penalty. That. I would be so down for that. Um, I'd love to talk about how uh, the victims, the surviving members of the victims' families, often uh, feel no better after a death penalty. Yeah. And they do not feel any sort of relief. And in fact, often feel, uh, even worse. Um, I'm getting out in the majority of time, but, um, most of the time it provides them no additional relief or, or, or closure. Yeah. Um, and so there's not even an emotional benefit to, to the victim's family most of the time. Um, so why are we, why are we putting them to death? Like who actually, how is that, justice yeah. oh, I've got oh, I know I, I, lo- it I love forever. it
0: and I we we do need to talk about it but we need to not talk about it right now because we're right now an hour and yeah. some minutes
1: so some <laughs> minutes yep yep yeah so uh I think we'll just go ahead and, and wrap this bad boy up wrap her up yeah uh any final thoughts Robin um no I'm just
0: I'm just grateful for everybody who's still listening I'm grateful to uh, still be doing this Um, and I am believing and looking forward to and manifesting the hell out of an awesome year for 2023, uh, for fireside breakdowns.
1: I agree. Um, I think this has been a wild and unpredictable ride so far, and I hope it just gets even more wild and well, predictable, but in a good way. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Moving forward. Um, yeah. Also, again, thank you all so much. This is going to be coming out on January 2nd. 2023. Uh, so it feels like 2022 barely happened. Uh, talk about blink and you miss it. Yeah. It also feels like it has been interminably long in a lot of ways. And, um, there's been some pretty wild changes. So thank you so much for, uh, hanging in there with us. Um, we look forward to, uh, speaking with you this year and, uh, here's to, uh, a better 2023 We all have the power to make that happen. We do. And until the next time we speak with you, take care of each other.